Welcome to the Heart-Centered Therapist Podcast, the podcast created for you, the therapist who leads with your heart and loves serving your clients. I'm Cindy Gozanski, your host. I know that being a heart-centered therapist is immensely rewarding and powerful and intensely challenging and difficult. We're on this journey together. My mission is to help you continue loving your work as a therapist, surviving being a therapist, and feeling more connected as a therapist. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Heart-Centered Therapist podcast. I'm Cindy Gozanski, your host, and I am here today with Julie Harris. Julie is an expert in Profit First, who has helped hundreds of private practice owners gain financial freedom. Founder of Green Oak Accounting, the country's largest firm serving the mental health industry, Julie is an accountant, consultant, speaker, author of Profit First for Therapists, and the host of the Therapy for Your Money podcast. Over the years, Julie and her team have helped hundreds of private practice owners take their profit first and gain financial freedom. So my listeners, this episode is for you. We all want to know how to thrive in our practices, how to have profit, and how to feel successful and comfortable and aligned with our service hearts, our heart-centeredness as we do this work, but we need to also make a living and make a profit. And so I'm so excited you're here. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here, Cindy. Thank you. Yes. And we are going to have so many things to talk about, especially with your book coming out. Yes. Um, But I want to take a little step back. And since you work with so many therapists, you work with therapists in private practice, you work with therapists running group practices, therapists, counselors, psychologists, psychiatrists, everyone, you get us, you know, some of our quirks and how we operate. And so what have you seen as people who are heart-centered therapists? Yeah, well, I, I like to say that our clients, right, the clients that my firm works with, we are their helpers. So we help the helpers, right? I cannot possibly with my accountant brain do what you do. I just don't have that talent, but I do have the talent to help the helpers. So what we what we often see is a whole lot of shame, guilt, uncertainty around money. I found over the years that for most therapists what they're told in grad school is you're never going to make a lot of money doing this. So just get that out of your mind. You're never going to be wealthy. And I think that's simply untrue. We don't say that about other medical specialties. So I think that is doing in itself a disservice to the industry because I think it's probably preventing some really great talented folks from even entering the industry thinking like, this isn't going to work for me. I have a family to support, but it's also not doing anyone a service to say you can't make money because that's simply untrue. We've seen it over and over again. It is possible to make a very good living in mental health and do that while serving your community, serving your clients, serving your team. Um, and I would actually say, and this this might be a little bit controversial, Cindy, but it's your it's your duty as a private practice owner to have a profitable practice. Doing that is in service of your clients, your community. If you're not worried about money, if you are able to live your life fully and take care of your household's needs, that is in service to everyone. Right. We don't ask the restaurant owner to 
subsidize the food that they serve to their clients, right? That would make no sense. So the same should apply to mental health. Yeah, it's such a great example, right? Because so many therapists, we are taught to subsidize our work in some in some ways, whether it's um, you know offering a sliding scale or not charging what we believe we're worth because of you know various other factors. And as you described that shame, you know, I think that the therapists who work from the heart are very called to serve, and then mm-hmm. that weird shame and misunderstanding of how we could run a business starts to interfere with our success. And then it can create all kinds of issues like, you know, questioning if we should stay in in this field, burnout, um, questioning our own, you know, efficacy. Seeing more clients than you want to because you you financially have to. Um, I talk about shame uh, and and actually I call it therapist guilt in the book and for a lot of practice owners especially you know as they're beginning that can look like I'm going to start a, a private pay practice and this is going to be my rate right but then they feel so ashamed with that rate that they'll say to the client this is my fee but if you can't afford that I I can do something else right in that same sentence so they don't even pause long enough for the client to say okay they're they're right away saying this is my full fee, but if you can't afford that, right? They're making assumptions for the for the client. And if you're offered a discount, Cindy, if I'm getting offered a discount, I'm going to take it, right? I'm not like why why would I'm not going to say, oh no, that's okay. Let me pay you your full fee, right? If you're offering me a discount, I'm going to take it. But so we have to leave the client that opportunity. But if it can feel uncomfortable, that silence, right? To say this is my fee. You work with therapists. So right now we're just diving into it, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> what would you say, right? You 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 have that example. And what would you say to the therapist who's like, okay, this is my fee, but if you can't afford it, what do you tell your your client? Well, I think when you're if you if you've been saying that, right, listener, um, you need to say your fee and then close your mouth and do not open it until the client has said something, right? I think that would be step one. What? But say your step fee one and don't open your mouth. Yeah, just zip, zip it until until they have said something. But I think you just because your client might be struggling financially does not mean that you also need to struggle financially. And I think that that, that is a, a, a challenging disconnect. But I know my team and I, right? This this is kind of going beyond you know, the work of a, an accountant per se. But what we do often is remind our clients, right? Talking about money as a practice owner can be overwhelming. There can be that guilt. There can be, I'd rather not know. But so to have someone in a non-judgmental setting say, this is what happened last month, right? This is how much income you brought in. These were your expenses. This is your profit. What can we do to improve this, right? And you can talk about your financial goals and your desires, and we can in a just looking at it takes some of that bite away from the uncertainty just knowing okay this is how many sessions i need to make the money that's going to support me it's just math right with well, the money part is just math so when we when we are able to look at that and have someone who's on your side kind of cheering you on and saying like this is what needs to happen so like let's stay accountable to that and let's move the needle month over month going in that direction, that can be really powerful for a business owner. Absolutely. And I love how 
you say that in such a supportive way for therapists, Julie, it's just math that freaks us out or freaks right. a lot of us out. <laughs> and so for a therapist to have you and your team on board and say, look, it's just math. We're going to look at these things, get these principles and practices in place, basic strategies. How many clients do you need a month? What are, you know, all, all of those things that can be so, I think, reassuring and affirming for a therapist that, yeah, we could make this work. We could profit and, you know, have, have better lives for ourselves and also our clients. Absolutely. And you as the business owner, you still get to make all the decisions, right? It's just, you, you might have someone then in your corner saying you have option A or you have option B, right? You can do this, make this investment. Cause often our, our clients will come to us and say, Oh, what if, what can I afford this? Well, yeah. I mean, in technically you can afford a lot of things, but is it worth this trade-off, right? Is it, can there's usually multiple options and you have to decide which one is going to work best for you and the business. So we've already touched on that. You work with therapist guilt, therapist shame, yes. and then helping, helping therapists in and others in the mental health industry to create financial freedom. So how did you, what like in terms of your personal journey, you became an accountant, and then how did you also decide to work with the mental health industry? I'm so curious about that. Yeah, well, years ago when I started my accounting firm, we were generalists, so we would take kind of every client that called. Basically, we were open for business for them. And then as my team started to grow, I really wanted to to focus in on one specific industry because it it actually is it can be in mental health as well. It's hard for an accountant to know multiple industries well, right? We knew all industry, like the accounting is the same across industries, but you can only help so much when clients were asking us like, well, what's a normal cost of goods sold for an, a construction firm? Like, I don't, I don't actually know what that is. So I thought like, if we were going to hone in on one industry, what would we pick? And we looked at our client base and we actually were working with many therapists at that point. In part because one of my first my first therapist client would send us a lot of referrals. So we had a lot of clients in that industry. And when we, we, the team and I talked about who do we really enjoy working with, that is really who shone through for us. Our, our therapist clients were obviously you're all very highly educated. So very smart, receptive to the information that we were sharing. So receptive, willing to implement, listen, responsive, but also wanted to be for the most part, an active participant in that relationship. So wanted to show up for meetings and understand what was going on. And that's something that we all really liked. And so we really decided to go down that path and, and specialize. So today we actually don't have clients who are not in the account uh, in the, in the mental health industry, other than sometimes we have a, a therapist client who also has another business, right. And then we'll do that accounting, but like we, because we can't, we know this market so well. Now we know what works and what doesn't. And so this is how we can do our best work. So if a if a practice owner comes to us, for example, and says, like, I would like to set up a bonus structure for my team, what what are my options? We actually know what the answer is, right? We can suggest, like, here are some of the options, here are some of the metrics you might want to consider uh, or bonus on. Here's how often you would pay that out, right? Like we can help in such a, a deep, meaningful way because we know what works and what doesn't from having seen it in hundreds of practices. Wow. And, and in some ways your, your niche found you as you started working with more and more therapists, and then they just 
you know, they just kept coming to you. And I, I love that going from a generalist to, you know, more of a specialist, we're compelled to do that as well, most of the time in there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'd, I'd encourage my listener to just rewind for a second what Julie just said about our qualities, right? That we're receptive, that we want to play active roles in, in our businesses, that we're engaged. Like, that's so important. And we don't hear that enough. So thank you for telling us. Yeah. You know, yeah thank I mean, you for seeing us and those qualities yes. we have. Yeah. And since then, I would also say I've I've built the team as a team who works well with therapists. Um, and one of the characteristics that we are actively looking for when we're interviewing someone is someone who has the heart of a teacher. Because uh, there's a lot of old school accountants that will say, like, ah, oh, don't worry, honey, just just let me take care of it. And I find that's not what our clients want. Our clients want, for the most part, to understand the mechanics of their business and what's going on. They don't want to just toss us the keys and run away, right? They want to understand. So we need someone who's going to be patient, kind, understanding, and who's going to to educate over time, right? It's not a a, a day one situation, but over a 12, 24, 36 month relationship, like we can truly change the understanding of a practice owner of tax and different options they have available and cash flow. Like that can be a completely different situation. Yes. Yes. And and because your team works in this in this way of of being teachers, of being collaborative with your clients, the therapist, that also can give us a sense of not being alone, of having a community, of not doing this work, uh, you know, the business part of it in isolation. We do so much of our work in isolation. So to have a team um, that, that cares about you and your success sounds pretty amazing. And this is a place where our practice owners can be vulnerable also, right? You Usually you're, you're kind of putting up on a brave face for your clients, holding down the fort. It's not uncommon for clients to cry in our meetings. That really is not uncommon at all because like you're kind of just letting it all in. Like, I'm afraid of this cash flow. I don't know how we're going to make payroll, right? Like those are really big, scary things um, mm-hmm. that we can be there for our clients. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I'm going to try to not cry in the interview, but I could totally see myself doing that. <laughs> okay. Let's give it a try. If, that, if there's no judgment, if that happens, you know, and in, in transparency, I, I have a very young group practice. And so I am going through some of these growing pains and this, this really comes near and dear to my heart and to my, my money fears and misunderstandings. So, you know, this is amazing timing that we're having this discussion and that your book profit first for therapist is coming out on may 2nd second yes we're gonna share everything in the show notes and i wish you could see julie's background because she has a beautiful office with a book in the background and it's so exciting um maybe we can take a still and and post that you said this and i i want to share this quote Being a practice owner can be lonely, but when you're also struggling financially, it's easy to feel alone and isolated. Having a profitable practice is the best way to serve your clients, your community, your team, and you. Yeah, because it is lonely, right? I can can kind of see it in your face and even though our listeners can't see that, like that, that beginning stage of group practice is hard. You're learning how to become a leader. You're learning how to manage the the money in the practice. There's a lot of moving pieces. Sometimes insurance doesn't co- cooperate. Uh, sometimes your new clinicians aren't 
meeting the expectations that were spoken or unspoken, right? There's so many things that can happen. And it's hard. That's mm-hmm. the beauty of working, you know, in this, in this niche to help folks in the mental health industry. Yeah. So Profit First, we've been talking about that. Maybe could you share a little bit about what is Profit First in a definition type of way? Yes. So Profit First is a cash flow management system, right? So it's a way for you to manage your money as a business owner. So it's not a, an accounting software or a, you know, a bank. It's, it, it is a cash flow management system. So within Profit First, as the name implies, we want the business owner to take their profit first. To do that, we turn the accounting equation upside down. So if you have ever looked at a profit and loss, which I hope all of your listeners have, um, on the profit and loss, you're seeing the income at the top, then you see the expenses, and then you'll see the profit at the bottom, right? Income minus expenses equals profit. That's the traditional accounting equation. So when we turn that equation upside down, we look at income minus profit equals your expenses. So we're carving out profit from the very beginning. We're saying this is important. We're going to build it into the practice. And then what's left is what you have remaining for expenses. So instead of the the owner taking home just whatever's left, right, taking home the leftovers, if there are any, we're building in profit to each session, each clinician, every single day to make the business profitable. Um, And one of the, the... principles of profit first that I come back to often is that we we use a small plate. So a lot of the principles of, of profit first are kind of similar to nutrition principles. So I know personally, I grew up in the era of finish your plate, right? Mm-hmm. So if I was going to my grandmother's house and she was making this beautiful elaborate meal and she showed her love by cooking, if I finished my plate, that was, I was showing my grandmother that I loved her and I love her food. And so me still to this day, if I eat from a large plate or from a small plate, I'm usually going to eat most of the food on the plate, unless I spend a whole lot of mental energy thinking about what, what I'm doing, right? Am I leaving the potato? Am I leaving the meat? Am I leaving the vegetable? How much should I have another bite? Like there's a lot of internal chatter happening for me to not just finish it. So if we translate that into money, um, and there are a lot of similarities in the ways that humans think about, about money and food. Um, So if we translate that into money, if you have one big bank account where all the money is piled in, right? All the money's coming in, all the expenses are coming out of that account. That might look like a big pile of cash. But if you are making that a smaller plate and we do that by creating multiple bank accounts, then you will see, oh, there's some money over here earmarked for tax. This is money for profit. This is money for payroll that's due next week. This is money for operating expenses because it's the middle of the month and my rent is due neck at the beginning of the month. So the money is earmarked for various things. And that means naturally you're quote unquote eating from a smaller plate. And so you are going to just see, oh, this is the amount I have available for operating expenses, for example. And you're naturally going to consume less because what you're seeing is a small amount instead of the big pile of everything where technically that's not all yours, right? Some of it is for other things. It's just really hard to see. And so most humans want to do bank balance bookkeeping. And so maybe you're pulling up the app on your phone, looking at how much money is in there, or maybe looking on your computer and you're seeing a pile of money and your brain says, okay, let's go, let's spend, or, oh, what's going on? Um, And so what Profit First does is it leverages that habit instead of trying to change it. Instead of telling you, you know, Cindy, to be a 
savvy business owner, you really should be looking at your profit and loss, your balance sheet, your statement of cash flow, and then make your decision. That's great, but most people don't do that. And so we're using your existing habits and leveraging those because then at a glance, those bank accounts are going to give you a whole lot of information. It just sounds so much clearer, you know, to have those kind of systems set up. And it's, it's almost baffling that we wouldn't start that way. But again, like when, when you think of the profit and loss statement, it's not set up that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and you have like requests for PTO and you're like, ah, where is my PTO fund or where's my bonus fund? Yes. Like, can I afford that? Right. And I, I, um, when I present on profit first, I have a couple of slides that I show, but one slide has, you know, one big bank account. Right. And I tell the business owner, um, okay, if you were if you were to make a five thousand dollar decision today, and business owners make five thousand dollar decisions all the time, right? And you see this one big bank account, what would you do? And most most people in the room will say, yeah, I would do it because there's enough money, right? There's there's plenty. That's fine. But then I show the money separated into multiple bank accounts, and now there's only maybe sixty five hundred dollars in the operating expenses account. So then we have the same question again, right? If you were making a five thousand dollar decision. But now you see there's only 6,500 in that account. That means you only have $1,500 left. Are you making the same decision? And then almost always the whole room goes, I don't know. I don't, I don't, that doesn't feel like a good idea anymore. Right. And just one glance, we glean that, that kind of information. It's yeah, really powerful. powerful. And what you're doing, Julie, is also helping people see where the rest of the money is right? That it's, it's already earmarked in these other bank accounts for XYZ, for taxes, for you name it, expenses, operating expenses. You know, I I love that, that process. And maybe I'll, maybe I should take a little detour and kind of explain the bank accounts. Perhaps that could be helpful. Uh, But we have six foundational bank accounts where we start typically. So First, we have the income account. And in most cases, the existing checking of a, account of a practice will become the income account, especially in the case of an insurance practice. We don't want to mess with that at all, right? We don't want to slow anything down. We want money to continue coming in. So most in mo- most of the time, existing checking account becomes the income account. So that account will now have only deposits, no expenses. All the money is coming in. Nothing is going out. Then we add uh, four additional accounts and then one optional account. So we have an account obviously earmarked for profit as the name implies. We have an account earmarked for owner's pay. So that's because you as the owner deserve to get paid for the work you're doing in the practice. So we have an account for that. We have you an account for- the idea. Right? <laughs> like, how novel, how novel that you should get paid. <laughs> and, uh, and so we also have an account earmarked for tax. And in the United States, most private practices are pass-through entities, and that means that they don't actually pay tax at the federal level. Sometimes they do at the state level, but rather the the profit of the business flows through to the personal tax return where it is then taxed. But that doesn't, by having a tax account, the business can pay tax on your behalf, right? So instead of it coming out of your personal cash flow, there's already money parked over there in that account. So when you get your tax bill, boom, make, make that make that payment. So those three accounts, profit, owners pay and tax, they directly benefit the owner, right? Those There's three accounts for the direct benefit of the owner. Then we have an operating expenses account. That's where things like uh, rent, software, liability insurance, dues and subscriptions, all of those will come through there. 
And then last, we have a payroll account. So this one is optional for people who do have team members. So whether that's contractors or employees, if you have admin, clinicians, leadership, then we add that payroll account. And one of the main reasons I like that separated from operating expenses is that in a group practice, usually payroll is going to be your single largest expense. And so I really want to see what is going on. Like I, That's a great way to control that expense. Is that creeping up? If so, why, right? It's going to be kind of a diagnostic tool of if there's an issue, where is it? What account is it in? The bank accounts are going to give you that information. Absolutely. And, and you know, I'm smiling because my husband doesn't usually listen to any of my podcasts, but he's all about the numbers. And I know for sure he's going to listen to this and he's going to say, Cindy, Julie is amazing. So, this is so that's a great. great idea. Um, well, and then you mentioned bonus earlier. On top of that, right, on top of those foundational accounts, we will often add additional accounts as as are useful, right? So I, I recommend starting with the foundational accounts, but for um, practices that have uh, a bonus structure, it's a great idea to have a separate bonus account so that you're saving that money. And then if someone makes their bonus, boom, it's right there. Sometimes when our clients are starting to offer vacation for the first time or PTO, that's a great account to have because PTO can be kind of a double hit where all of a sudden money is not coming in, but you are paying, you are still paying it out. So we can create a bank account for something that is useful to the business. Within reason, we we don't recommend going to like 20 bank accounts, but if it's useful to the practice, then yes, absolutely. Let's, you know, let's add a bank account so that you can control that expense. This is kind of a naive question, but are most banks pretty, pretty okay with setting up these numerous accounts? For the most part, uh, for the most part, yes. So years ago when Profit First just started, it wasn't well known. And sometimes you get a crazy look of like, why, why would you even, why would you do that? And I actually tell a story in the book where a practice owner who went to open her bank accounts really got like the banker gave her a hard time about it and said, why would you, why would you do that? This is silly. And luckily, I mean, she felt very strongly that this is what she was going to do. And she persisted and said, no, I'm going to open these accounts today, whether it's with you or with someone else. So please just open them. So they they, they relented and they did. And she has done so incredibly well. Um, she had a loan for her building, paid it off years early, just has done so well that the next time she went back to the bank to add additional accounts, right? She, I, I can't remember what exactly she was adding. The banker said, Oh yeah, you've done really well. How should we name these accounts? Like they did not give her any pushback at all because they they could see how powerful this had been for her. One of the things you also talk about, Julie, that I'm really curious about are the five emotional stages of Profit First. Yes. So I added this to the book because when we are dealing with practice owners, business owners, and money. I kept seeing that there are emotional phases that people are going through. And in an earlier edition of the of the book, I had compared it to the, the Kubler-Ross grief stages, which I, I know is now, you know, has been kind of debunked and is not really in favor anymore. But like as far, but everyone kind of can identify with those, right? Um, and it's so there's, there's use for everything still. Exactly. So uh, what I found is that there was a, some very similar stages with implementation where, you know, as we get started, as someone hopefully reads the book and or, or listens to the book or however they, they get the information, 
they're excited about profit first, right? Like, yes, this makes a lot of sense. I want to do this. This is great. So that first phase is excitement where I, I always think you should strike while the iron is hot, while you're excited, go, go to the bank, open up the bank accounts, do the incident assessment, like do the things that are going to move the needle forward, right? Like to use that energy for good. Then we often will encounter a phase of resistance. And just like the, the Kubler-Ross grief cycle, you, you don't always encounter all stages. Sometimes you encounter one multiple times, right? Sometimes you'll be at the end and come back, but we, <laughs> we see some resistance. We're like, oh, I don't know. Like the, the first time it becomes a little bit hard, that might be the case. And that's when having a uh, an accountability partner for your for profit first journey uh, that can be in the form of our our Facebook group or working with an accountant or a profit first professional can be helpful to remind you like it might be hard right now but there's a good chance it would have been hard even if you weren't implementing profit first for example some maybe a practice encounters an issue where their profit first transfers, right? They're, the money they have is not going to cover payroll. Mm-hmm. That's a that, that's a big moment with like a pit in the stomach, right? Like, oh, what are we going to do? And, but this is the reality of, of private practice sometimes, right? And it's not that you've done something wrong. Maybe insurance stopped paying. Maybe your clinician just took extended time off and you have to pay out their PTO and you hadn't planned for it, right? Maybe you had a personal emergency and had to take money out of the business. Like a lot of things can happen, but I would argue most of the time this would have happened even if you were not implementing profit first, right? It's not because you're doing profit first. It just feels harder to be in that space because you're now seeing like, oh, if I take I have money available, but it's in my profit account. So that means I'm going to have to drain some profit, whether that's temporarily or permanently to make this work, right? It kind of brings to light some of the challenges in your practice and that can be painful sometimes. So we sometimes see resistance there. That then follows into overwhelm. There can be a point where practice owners might might throw their hands up in the air and say, you know what, this is not, this is not working. And I would argue when that happens that you are really, really close to the good stuff. Usually that is right before the magic happens where it does feel hard because as you're increasing your profit or increasing your tax savings, chances are you're having to make some significant changes in your business, right? You're probably having to look at your expenses and say, where am I going to cut? Is my compensation model for my team member, is this working for us, right? You're having to make a lot of really hard decisions and that can be overwhelming, that doesn't mean it's not the right thing to do. So that you're close there, you right? Know, you're so close. Close, and you know it's it's so aligned with our work as therapists, which you're such a part of now since that's your business too. But when we experience a block from a client, you know when there's some resistance or there's a block and it gets really hard, you know you're working in the right place. Yeah, and the same thing with our businesses is what you're pointing out. Right. Where like you, you have to go through the hard stuff to get to the good stuff. And then like the same, the same really does apply here because right after overwhelm is the aha moment. And I, I, I imagine that as like the sky is opening, the angels are singing, right? Like the, the sun is shining on you and then you're like, okay, 
I get it. This is working, right? This is showing me the things I need to see. The problems that were happening, I just wasn't noticing them in the practice. And I'm making changes in the right direction. Like things are moving in the right direction. And that doesn't mean that there will never be problems ever again, right? That's not how, that's just not how business ownership works. Things will break, things will go wrong. That is kind of a certainty, in my opinion, of business ownership. But at least you have the tools to deal with it. And you have some gauges in the form of your bank accounts and and cash balances that are going to tell you, are things going well? Are things not going well, right? That you know at that point, if the bank balance in that payroll account gets really, really low, why is that? We used to have a buffer, now we don't. What is happening? So you can go into uh, detective mode and see what has changed in the business and is this going in the right direction? Do we need to change how we're allocating funds? or Um, is something happening that I don't know about yet. And there's a whole lot of power in that knowledge. Um, And and then you go and look in the operating expenses account. Maybe you didn't realize your software increased by X amount, which happened a while ago for most of us therapists. (laughs) Yes. Or like you, you've been saying yes to every request from your team, maybe. And like, that's great. And that's coming from a very generous place, but you might want to go back and say, okay, are there efficiencies here that we can create? Like, is there software that's duplicating maybe something that we already have, right? That's perhaps included with our Google or Microsoft membership that we don't need to pay extra for, right? Like this is an opportunity for for finding savings. Absolutely. And then we go into the last stage, which is acceptance. And that's where you're kind of shouting from the rooftops, like profit first works. I'm a fan. This has worked for my practice, right? You're sharing it with your colleagues because you have certainty of like, I will never live another way. And I, I believe that I, I obviously am a, a believer of profit first. We've implemented it hundreds of times, but I've also used it in my pro, in my accounting firm from almost day one. It really has worked for us as well. And that's one of the reasons that, that we've been able to, to continue growing this way. Wow. I love that emotional journey, those stages that, that you set out. And it really does make a lot of sense. I think it, it mirrors the experience. We can all relate to that. And that promise of this kind of system is really exciting that we could see it's possible to implement something like this for our solo private practice or our group private practice and have a different and healthier relationship with money. And I, I included this in the book also because I knew kind of where readers would feel like, oh, you know, this, this feels great. And I want to do it, but like, I'm a little bit afraid. Right. So I feel like if you know, this is coming, if you know, okay, I might get overwhelmed at some point, and this is a normal part of the process. It, it takes the sting out of it a little bit where you just, you know, it's coming like, okay, you can identify, especially uh, for therapists, right. You can see, see where you are like, okay, this is normal. I'm just going to keep going. It makes for more successful implementation. Right. And with that implementation, your firm helps kind of with a quick start setup for implementation, as well as the follow through long term. Is that right? Yeah. So in the book, I really did build in everything that you would need to implement profit first on your own. So all of it is there. You don't, you definitely don't have to work with us to implement profit first. That being said, with our accounting clients, we do also add on Profit First as an additional service when we're already doing the monthly accounting where we can run Profit First for you, right? Where we're not actually transferring money from the bank, but we're looking at the numbers usually every week or every other week is typically how how we do it, sending those numbers in. And actually, Cindy, we're, we're developing right now a 
brand new membership group for people who just want profit first support. So that will be available within our Green Oak Accounting team very soon where people can join and just have access to the Q&A calls and office hours, and, but get to work with the Green Oak Accounting team in a way that they usually usually don't have access or space for that, but just around profit first. So that's a really exciting thing that's coming. If anyone is interested, you should get on our email list so you can hear all about it when it's time. So exciting, Julie. And and we'll include that, the, the link to that as well as, as Green Oak Accounting and your book. So this this implementation, I mean, you mentioned the bank accounts and I'm just curious also, like what would the next step be after a therapist starts with getting their bank accounts? Yeah. So bank accounts are one of the first steps. Next, you would want to complete the instant assessment. So again, that that's going to be available. Uh, it's in the book. It's also on the website, Profit First for Therapists, where you can get a free instant assessment calculator. And what that is going on? On. I didn't understand that. Oh, the instant assessment. Instant assessment. Instant right. assessment. In, the, the profit first instant assessment. I need to say it slower. Where that is going to tell you exactly where your business stands today. So in the instant instant assessment, you are usually using your profit and loss, your balance sheet, your statement of cash flow to look at where is the money currently going? What is happening today? Because within profit first, we start where your business is right now. We do certainly provide targets, right? Of businesses should be within this range. But if that's not where your practice is today, that's completely fine. And you're going to start where you are today. And so figuring that piece out is kind of the first step there. So that assessment will help you figure out how much am I currently spending on operating expenses? How much am I saving for taxes? How much am I paying myself? And really looking at what are the numbers saying? And if someone doesn't have uh, an accounting software, you could still just use your bank statement and just go line by line, add those up. You can still get that same information, but that would be kind of the, the first, uh, the next step to see where are you currently spending money? Then at that point, you would decide what are my target allocations? Like how much do I want to be spending in each category? And then the tool that we have on the website is going to automatically calculate how do you get there in either one, uh, four quarters, one year, or eight quarters, two years. So it's a slow, steady process. You can also accelerate if you want it, if you want to, but I like having multiple steps so that you can you can see it's not on day one. You're not blowing the whole business up and starting right away because that's almost impossible, right? But you're slowly making incremental steps. And that's one of the really big key drivers to success. It's not about going fast and then stopping. It's about slow incremental change. And I like to equate it to running just because I'm a, I'm a runner. I'm a very, very slow runner, but I'm I am a runner. runner. And I'm you slow. Are. Yeah. I'm incredibly slow, but it, I enjoy it. It's, running is like a meditation to me. I just really enjoy it. Um, but, I'm feeling is that? That's yeah. so funny. I am part of a running group and we're always training towards something, right? And so if I sh showed up at that running group, having not run in two years and said, I'm running a marathon next weekend, I need you to get me ready, right? That that's not, that's not actually possible, but I might, I might train really hard this week, but then I would crash right after that because it's unsustainable. But if you're going from running five minutes to seven minutes to nine minutes to 15 minutes, right? Where you're slowly making progress, 
then there's a really good chance that I won't injure myself, that I'm going to stick with it, and that it's going to be effective. And so the same applies here, where we're not trying to go from spending $5,000 a month on OPEX to $1,500 in one month. That's almost impossible to do, right? You're going to try, you're going to go really, really big, and then it's like, oh, I just I can't do this. So we're small incremental changes ultimately what we're after. And I I really love that you're part of a running group or running community because that's so helpful, just like what you're offering therapists to have this, this external accountability, somebody who's also in the same place with you. And that matters so much in our worlds, our communities, not just in our therapy world, but in the rest of our lives. I, I just love that you shared that. I think it's it's brilliant. We're we're developing this this profit first membership community in part because of that because I know I meet with my my running group on Mondays and Wednesdays so it removes the decision from my brain right I just that's that's where I need to show up on Monday and Wednesday and rain or shine like barring you travel or something I am there I just I don't have to think about it this is what I do and so I find that to be really helpful where you just build it as a habit into your life and like then then you do it. Exactly. That's great. That's great. And good for you to have, to have that discipline. You you could tell me later what you're training for. That's awesome. (laughs) Right now you're training for the release of a book, which is a big deal. Yes. Yes. Cindy, this is so much more work than I had ever imagined. Like in my, in my mind, I had pictured I'm going to sit at my computer and just going to write a book from beginning to end, right? I thought it was a linear process, was not at all. Um, And then I'm going to be done. And that was not the case. So I worked with a a writing coach. um, And actually, my writing coach is also uh, Mike Michalowicz's ghostwriter, AJ Harper. She's wonderful, wonderful person. Um, Mike Michalowicz is. Oh, yes. Mike Michalowicz is the author of the original Profit First. And then the creator of the original Profit First system. Yes. Um, I have to just say, I understand it so much better from you already because you're speaking to us in our language. And I really appreciate that. Oh, good. I'm Well, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Um, and that's, that's part of why Profit First derivatives exist is a lot of... Um, a lot of practice owners were coming to my firm and saying, I've read Profit First and I love it, right? Like I drank the Kool-Aid, I'm on the bandwagon, but I don't get how this is going to work in my practice. And so that's where we came in, where this is an industry where clinicians are very highly paid, right? Highly educated. And so they're just, there's some things that just needed to be adapted. And that's what we, that's what we did here. Um, so you had a writing coach that was, the ghostwriter from Mike McCullough. Yes. And so we started with, you know, core message and promise and outline. And I was like, my mind was blown. Wait, we're going to outline this whole thing before I write it. Like that's, that's, and that's where the hard work was. Honestly, the, once the outline was done, it was much, much easier. Um, Then I went to, once I wrote the whole thing, I sent it to advanced readers who are um, therapists, you know, out in the world. Some are our clients, some are not. Some did profit for us already, some did not and got feedback. And that was pretty nerve wracking in itself to just send it out in the world and say, okay, give me all the criticism. Um, And I thought they were going to tear it up. And while I did get some really, really healthy feedback of like, this does not make sense to me. Uh, You lost me here. Um, Generally, it was really helpful. So I was very, very grateful for everyone who participated. Then I had to go back and rewrite the whole thing again. So that's, you know, there's, there's lots of different stages here 
And we're finally through the process. And, and then, like you said, it's not done because now you're marketing the book. Yes. And I've, I've come this far. I feel like my role now is to make sure people know that it exists, right? I, the information is there. So if someone wants to implement profit first in their practice, they can literally pick up the book after May 2nd and do that on their own. But I just have to make sure that people know about it. Exactly. And I'm going to help you do that. When is the best time for somebody to implement profit first? There's a Chinese proverb that says the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. And then the next best time is today. And that's how I feel about about profit first. Sure, it would be great for someone to do it on the very first day of their practice. That would be lovely. But if that's not your reality, just start wherever you are today. Because honestly, the system will meet you exactly where you are, right? We start with the instant assessment, which looks at where does your practice stand today? And so that it, today is a good time or as, you know, as soon as you have access, access to the book. There are just a handful of times where I actually recommend not to implement profit first. And in that case, I still think you can do some of the legwork. You can run the numbers, you can open the bank accounts. But if, for example, a practice is operating in a place of deficit where there is more money going out than coming in, that is not a good time to start profit first because it's already a very stressful thing if you're constantly getting notifications from your bank where non-sufficient funds, uh, we rejected this payment, right? That's stressful. But imagine if you're then moving the little bit of money that you have into five accounts, that's really even more stressful, right? So that it, that can be a really difficult thing. And so in that case, I would recommend work on increasing your revenue and or decreasing your in your expenses or preferably both before you start implementing profit first. The other time I think it's not time is if you're not ready and willing to spend a little bit of time about 15 minutes a week looking at the numbers, if you're not willing to do that for your business then you should not start profit first. So if you're just going to move money around kind of whenever wherever then it's not going to be helpful and in that, if not it in that case, you're better off not starting. But otherwise, and most therapists are in this buck in this category, today's a great day to start. Yeah, that that's that's really great advice. And and I can see with with the first example, you know, even imagining somebody starting with an insurance-based practice or maybe insurance-based and payroll, and there's a lag in terms of when the income comes in, you might have to wait a little bit until you get some of those accounts kind of more more robust and then you could start the profit first. Yeah, and one of the things that we recommend that I recommend in the book is to do transfers once a week, right? So all that money comes into the income account and then on a regular basis you're going to move money from the income account to the other accounts, right? So it's not every day. Usually it's once a week or every other week. So we often start though with every week because then When you're looking at this is the dollar amount that I'm putting into this bank account, you only have to make it a a week until you're going to put money in it again. And that's not quite overwhelming, right? We do have clients who transfer money only once a month. And that's wonderful that they've been able to get there, but not everyone can make can can fund operating expenses, for example, enough that then they don't have to put any money for an entire month. That can be overwhelming. So let's start with something smaller where and you make it a week? Yeah, probably. There's a good chance that you can put enough money there to do that. And so that's a great place to start. Super practical to set us up for success that way, which I love. Yeah. It, it really seems like as you implement this and 
the therapist has more of a grasp on their financial status and and what's going on, that is going to decrease the burnout we experience. And that's going to start to shift our sense of like, I don't get it, misunderstandings about money. And I think, you know, because in in this podcast, I often interview people and we're talking about therapist self-care and burnout. And here we're talking about money and yet it's so related. And a lot of the the things that you do for self-care require money, right? Even if it's taking a day off, that's great, right? Technically that doesn't cost anything, but it does make the assumption that you have enough money to pay for the basics, right? If you can't, then that doesn't work. Or if you're going to get a massage or whatever, you know, whatever you do for self-care, like that usually requires some degree of, of money, and so in a way, like taking care of yourself, that is self-care to make, and it just reduces the stress level of business ownership so much when you know with certainty, I'm okay. My family is okay. My clinicians are okay. If I may share something very, very personal, my mother was diagnosed with ALS in 2021, very early in 2021. And it, oh, thank you. It, the, the progression was just very quick, right? So she had already started to lose her ability to to um, swallow and speak, and so over the next less than less than twelve months, I saw her lose all of her all of her abilities. Right, so she stopped swallowing, speaking, walking, writing, eventually everything. And you know that was not expected, right? And I have large accounting firm and lots of mouths to feed. But one of the things that I was very lucky, thanks to Profit First, to never worry about is can I do the things that I need to do? I became a, a caregiver for my mother. I was there in her final moments in part because I knew everyone was going to be okay, right? It was not going to be perfect, but it was going to be okay. I knew my team would be able to still get paid. I knew my family would be able to cover the expenses. And so I was able to be very, very present in those you know, very difficult moments in, in, in large part because I had the financial systems in place to make that happen. And I, I'm just so grateful for that. I will never get that time back, but I'm so glad I, I had that even, even though it was very hard. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And I'm so sorry for the loss that you went through in your family, but also as you describe it, like what a blessing that you were able to be there with your mother, to care for her, to be there throughout. I mean, that's a gift to experience that as painful as it is. And you know, like you said, you set up your business so you could make this happen and have that security. And of course, I never started Profit First with that in mind, right? Like you can never plan for something like that. But to, to know that things will continue, I mean, that's a, that's a huge that's a huge blessing. And so often we see with our clients too, they might have unexpected, you know, blessings in their business as well. Like one of, one client that comes to mind had had, tax debt and was going through a divorce, you know, when, when we met and is now, you know, putting her child through college. So went from, you know, tax debt, like just a difficult financial situation of like IRS letters. And, 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 you know, it's not, it's not a, it's a very stressful situation to like, we're in a good place financially. There's enough to pay tax and, you know, do all the things like, like send a child off to college like that's such a blessing, right? And that's not the, you don't start the business for that reason, but like that's that's such an amazing way to to keep the business the business going. Absolutely. And so this this becomes 
as, as you shared so vulnerably, so integrated into our lives and into how we live and how we can create that, that ability to live our lives fully. Like you were able to be there fully with your mother when you needed that in your family. Yeah. And, and in those moments, I remember thinking like, I am so grateful that I am not, you know, having to hustle in this moment to pay the bills because that would be a really hard thing to do. And, and every day, so many people need to do that. Right. And it's not a magic profit versus not a magic wand that will magically make all the money appear. But like, it truly is a system for financial freedom where you're not worrying about money every day. And it doesn't happen on day one. It, it, it ebbs and flows, but it really can create that. Right. And so when we can reduce some of that worry and anxiety and then also mm-hmm. create freedom that goes with it, that's, you know, that's like self-care. That's a lifestyle. And yes. I think that's what the promise of your book and your system is. Yeah. And I feel like the need for not, not necessarily the need for self-care, but the need to exit your, your business, right. Or, or take time away from your business lessons when you don't have that financial stress. So you're able to afford, for example, a, um, maybe a retreat that's in a great location and go work on your business instead of in your business, like being able to afford those kinds of things makes you not really need time away from the business nearly as much because you're you're able to be fulfilled in just a variety of things that you're doing. Yes, and that we can have those dreams and make them possible. And, yeah. Mm-hmm, and and e- even your process of of writing writing a book. I mean, that was a dream and and you've achieved it and now you're going to help so many more people because of it. I hope so. That's the goal. It's great. One of your quotes also is My hope for the book is that it will help the mental health industry become unapologetic about having a profitable practice. It's about time, right? No more. I I don't want to, this vow of poverty situation like has to stop. I don't think it's helpful because I've, I've personally never heard of a spinal surgeon or any kind of surgeon say, Oh, you know what? This is my rate, but if you can't afford it, let me just discount it 50%. No, they don't, they don't care if you can afford something or not. They will they will absolutely send you a bill and send you to collections. That's right. That's right. So that's it's so great. Like, let's just make this happen. And I just I'm I'm beyond excited to get this out to our listeners. I hope lots of people wish will share this episode with a friend, a therapist friend a business friend, anyone, this is so important because it's it's also about, not just about money. And Julie, I, re- I really just want to thank you for sharing with us, you know, these, these amazing opportunities that you've created through Green Oak Accounting and through your book and the other things to come with your, your membership for um, therapists who want to do profit first, your Facebook group. I'm, I'm so grateful that you are in this world, helping therapists. And I know personally, I'm going to um, check out some of your, your options for sure. Um, But let's just take a moment and please tell us your website and the book and where everybody can find you, your Facebook groups, all of those things. Yes. So I have, there's a lot of things going on. So first the, the book will be out on May 2nd. It is available on most online resellers. So Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Walmart, it's available in a bunch of different places. 
It is also available on Kindle and ebook. It's it will be available on Audible. It should be within a couple of days of of May second on Audible as well. Read I, I read it myself. Um, but it takes it just takes a little bit longer to to load. So that's kind of one area where you can find the book. And if you, I would be honored if you would consider ordering a copy or or buying one. Obviously, as a first time author, like this helps tell the Amazon algorithm like this book matters. Show it to more people. So I if if you are up for it, I would greatly appreciate that. And then you can find lots of additional resources on profitfirstfortherapists.com. So you can also find all the buy links there. My accounting firm is greenoakaccounting.com. And we always offer a free consultation to anyone who's interested in just finding out more about our services, seeing if we might be a good fit. Um, So it's low, no pressure, you know, um, just very chill uh, consultation if you're interested. And then okay, you can also okay, do the consultation. Yeah, completely. Okay. Like also I would say completely normal, right? So it's not like, it's not something that we rarely encounter. It's happens all the time. Not a big deal. I was that is a joke, but again, you know, it's, it's an experience of feeling shame or misunderstanding or like, what are they going to think of me and my numbers? Right. And you guys yeah. are cool with that. Oh my gosh. People say like, oh, I tried to fix it myself because I was so embarrassed. Like, don't it's, this is what we do. Like I, there's several people on my team who love a messy QuickBooks file, right? So you're doing us a favor. Let let us, let us fix it. Don't worry about it. Like we've seen, I promise you, we've always seen worse. Yeah. So those are kind of all the things I have. I'm, I host the therapy for your money podcast. So I talk about all things money. We have a hundred ish episodes. And so you can go check out like various accounting topics explained specifically for therapists. Oh, on your podcast. That's explained. Wow. Amazing. Therapist for money podcast. And you're on Instagram and Facebook. Yes. We also have a free Facebook group for profit first. So profit first for therapists, Facebook group um, that is separate from our, our upcoming membership group, but you can go there and ask questions. My team and I are in there on a regular basis, answering questions. You can get support from therapists just like you. So start with profitfirstfortherapist.com, get the book, uh, connect with Julie, listen to her podcast. And um, thank you so much, Julie. This has been amazing. And I wish you all the success with your book. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, I invite you to subscribe and leave a rating or review. It really helps other people find this podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes for all the links and resources mentioned. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.